The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everybody. This is Dr. Rail and uh, or Jesse, whichever. And we're going to talk about anxiety today. Um, we did a presentation a couple of weeks ago on anxiety and depression, but there's a lot of information um, under each topic, and I didn't feel like either of them were covered as well as possibly they could be. And I know that anxiety is a big problem for people who are blind. And probably anxiety is a big problem for many people. Um, roughly 70 to 80% of doctor visits are because of, people assume they're because of medical, but anxiety is at the root cause of the medical issues that prompt people to go to the doctor. So if we can all learn to recognize and control our anxiety, we can probably lower some of these medical and and emotional complications. Um, I, I think that anxiety probably is more prevalent for people who are blind just because, and, and probably people with other disabilities as well. But certainly for our population, just because of the many things that we have to deal with that either require assistance or require a lot of extra work or, um, you know, the websites might not be accessible, things like that. So I think um, it is pretty pretty prevalent for, for people who are blind. So what causes anxiety? Well, anxiety is caused by many things. Um, very often it is a learned condition. So if you were raised by caregivers who were constantly worried about a lot of things or, um, you know, stressing out, you may have learned that. Also, if you received a lot of attention when you were stressing out or really worried about a lot of things, and maybe when you were more calm and relaxed and not so worried you didn't receive attention, you may have inadvertently learned that being stressed out and anxious and worried uh, is, is the way to be. The good news about something that is learned, if you learned it, you can unlearn it. So that's the good news. <laughs> you know, the obviously it takes time for to unlearn something we have learned, but it can certainly happen. Another thing that may contribute to anxiety could be genetics. We know that people and, and again, it's hard to say how much of this was actually learned or how much of it was inherited. But we know that people who were born to parents, maybe not raised by them, though, 
or who have strong histories of anxiety in their family with, you know, their parents, their grandparents, um, are more prone to anxiety disorders. So those are some of the causes. Well, there are many, many contributors to anxiety. Um, low self-confidence, you know, when you don't really feel very confident about yourself, you're going to feel more anxious. And if you think about something, you know, taking an exam, if you feel like you really, really know the information, you're on top of things, you're probably not going to feel anywhere as anxious as you will if either you don't know the information or there's a whole lot at stake. Like you have to pass that exam to get a, a certification or a degree or, you know, a passing grade. So the more pressure that there is, the more anxiety you're going to feel. But the more confident you feel, the less anxiety you're going to feel. Um, overthinking. Sometimes we just think a problem, you know, just continue to think it, think about it, think about it, and way overthink it. Instead of reaching a conclusion or a decision and letting it go. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have something and we'll, we'll make a decision, but then we start thinking about, oh, did I make the right decision? Oh, well, what would happen if I make a different decision? So then we come up with another decision and we keep thinking about it. So it just goes in a circle. Um, poor problem-solving skills. People who don't really know how to solve problems are going to have more difficulty with anxiety. Because if you don't know how to solve a problem, then you're going to feel anxious. I remember very well when I first started using the computer and then the iPhone. You know, I didn't know how to resolve problems that occurred. And I didn't know who to go to. And I didn't know what to do. So I was just like really anxious about that. Um, until I finally figured out that one, there wasn't a good probability that I would burn up either the iPhone or the computer <laughs> or explode it. And two, that most things that happen can certainly be, you know, fixed or corrected or recovered. And, and then I started developing a network of people to go to to ask. And I also started developing more skills of my own. So the anxiety decreased. People who are inflexible. If everything has to be your way or the highway, you're going to feel a lot of anxiety because that's not going to be the way it usually is, especially if you're relying on other people to do something for you or maybe to be somewhere at, you know, a, a specific time. If you can't be a little flexible, you're going to have a lot of anxiety over that. Um need for control. People who feel like they have to control every situation, everybody, you know, everything in their lives are going to have a lot of anxiety because you can't control every situation. You can't, certainly can't control people. 
But if you feel like you have to, then you're going to have a lot of anxiety because you're going to be met with many opportunities to discover that you can't control, uh, that you're, they're not going to allow you to control. You know. Need for perfection. People who feel like they have to be perfect, perfectly dressed, perfectly groomed, have their health in perfect condition, you know, have a perfect report. That's going to put a lot of stress and anxiety on you as well because you know everything isn't going to be perfect. And some days it's just not going to come together and you're not going to be perfectly dressed or perfectly groomed or whatever. And so people who have difficulty accepting that it's okay not to be perfect are really going to be stressed out a lot. The need to be right. You know, a lot of times we become very anxious in conversations with other people, especially when they don't seem to agree with us or share our opinion. We become very anxious about that because we feel like we need to be right and maybe we need to prove to them that we're right. So we become very anxious about that. General uncertainty, you know, uncertainty about the future. And we certainly are living in a in a time of that. Uncertainty about COVID, uncertainty about your safety. Um, we're living in very high uncertain times and that is extremely high stress producing. And um, incidents of mental health have risen sharply. Incidents of doctor visits have risen sharply because people are are feeling anxious and uncertain. Uh, insecurity, that's another one. Um, that could be, you know, if, if you're not secure with your relationship, you're not secure in your living environment, you're not secure with your job. There's all kinds of reasons that you might feel insecure. Um, maybe you just feel insecurity as a person. You know, you, you just don't feel real safe or secure. And so you're going to have more anxiety. Um, People who worry excessively, just worry constantly about this and that and, you know, other other things, um, that is a real sign of anxiety. You just can't turn that worry off. Making high demand of yourself or others is going to contribute to an anxiety um, because, again, if you have way too high expectations of yourself or other people, then it can certainly contribute to your anxiety. And there's a lot of other things that can contribute as well, but those are the main things that you know, typically contribute. And, and those are the things that we can work on changing. If you realize that you're a perfectionist, or that you do have too high expectations for yourself, or that you do have too high expectations for other people, 
um, you know, all those things you can work on recognizing and changing because that is going to decrease your anxiety. When we are anxious, something, a lot of things happen. Um, first of all, we have a protective mechanism that takes over. But unfortunately, our body doesn't know whether it's a big stressor or a little stressor. So our brain and our body work together to produce adrenaline. And that adrenaline becomes cortisol. And cortisol is often referred to as the stress hormone. Now, under normal situations, if, if you needed that adrenaline, say you had to rescue people from a burning building or, you know, you have to deal with something very tragic that has happened or, you know, you, you, you have to do something that you wouldn't normally do. That adrenaline is going to give you the energy. Sometimes it can give you energy that you didn't even realize you had to help you cope with that situation. But unfortunately, our body and brain doesn't know the difference in, oh, I have to rescue somebody from a building that is on fire versus I'm just hearing about somebody's story and it doesn't have anything to do with me, but I'm getting really stressed out over it. So our body, our brain signals, they're the stress, they're the crisis, and the body starts producing this adrenaline. If the adrenaline is used, you will just have, um, first of all, you'll have an adrenaline rush, and then you'll have adrenaline release, which is, sometimes you hear about people after an extreme event becoming ill, or passing out, or that's the adrenaline releasing. It's, it's just your body's way of getting rid of that excess adrenaline. But if you're not using the adrenaline because, you know, it's not a major crisis, which is what happens to most people, it's not a major crisis. You don't really need that much adrenaline. Then it goes into cortisol. And cortisol is a hormone that if you don't get rid of it, it becomes very harmful because it's the one that's going to cause a lot of weight gain. People who are under a lot of stress, especially chronic stress, often have more difficulty losing weight. Um, people, it's going to cause you to have physiological problems like rapid heartbeat, your blood pressure is going to be higher. Your body temperature is going to be higher. You're going to have, possibly have digestive problems, you know, nausea, vomiting, stomach, constipation, things like that. Sleep problems. Sometimes people develop rashes on their skin or hives from too much uh, cortisol. And sometimes people tend to fidget a lot, just shake their leg or move around a lot, just, just 
um, aimless, not necessary movement, but it's just a way to burn off that excess energy. Those physiological problems can then cause muscle tightening, which can lead to chronic pain and headaches, tension headaches. Um, migraine headaches are caused uh, by sometimes emotional stress, sometimes other things, but tension headaches are caused by stress and anxiety. So those are the physiological, the main physiological, could cause other things as well. Um, the emotional response may be mood changes, like just sudden shifting moods, crying, anger. A lot of times when people have anxiety or anger issues, it's because they're anxious. Anxiety is at the root of that anger. Irritability, you're going to be short-tempered. Uh, you're not really going to have a lot of patience or interest in other people. Um, you, you'll have decreased problem solving. You may think that you're doing really well, but other people are noticing uh, you're just not as quickly able to uh, resolve problems. You might find your emotions going like from zero to 10, just like just now, bam, yeah. very fast shifts. You might begin to feel hopeless or despairing. It can also lead to depression. A lot of times when people have anxiety, they also have depression. They might have suicidal ideation. They might respond with violence because of the anger or even homicidal um, behavior. So it can become very severe. There are various types of anxiety. Social anxiety basically is when people have difficulty in social situations, in social settings. They don't really feel anxious much else, but you put them in a social situation and they are extremely anxious and may not know, you know, how to make conversation or how to respond. Um, so social anxiety can be a big issue for many people. Many people try to cope with social anxiety by having a couple of drinks before they go out. And that's usually not the best coping technique because it can sometimes lead to trouble. But, you know, that is often one of the coping techniques that people try to use. Um, Generalized anxiety is when you just feel stressed about most things. You're just anxious all the time. It doesn't really matter what's going on. You just feel worried and stressed and anxious. Generalized anxiety can lead to panic attacks. And we'll get into that in just a minute. Situational anxiety is the normal type of anxiety. It's when you have to cross a four-lane street, a highway, and, and you're, you feel anxious. Well, yeah. But once you get across that street and you realize, okay, I did it, and I'm safe, you're no longer anxious. Or it's like if you have to do public speaking or take a test, 
you know, the situation itself is causing or contributing to your anxiety. But once it's over, you be breathe a big sigh of relief and all right, you're cool. <laughs> so social anxiety can lead to things like avoiding social contacts. Um, it can actually lead to agoraphobia, where you're afraid of leaving the house or leaving your familiar environment. So it's really important to, you know, deal with social anxiety because it can lead to other problems. Of course, it can lead to decreased relationships if you're not able to form relationships because of your social anxiety. And it can also lead to alcohol abuse um, because that is one of the socially accepted ways that people tend to cope, but it's not real helpful. Generalized anxiety, if you're feeling stressed and anxious all the time, it can lead to panic attacks. And panic attacks just happen. And, and it's an extreme form of anxiety where your heartbeat is very rapid. Um, you feel like you're being smothered. Um, it, it, you just feel like you, know, you, you can't cope. You just can't deal with anything. Um, that can last for five minutes to I've seen clients in panic attacks for literally hours until they just collapse. Um, usually they'll, they'll just fall asleep or just uh, because they're, they totally exhaust themselves. That can be, people don't die from panic attacks, although you might feel like you're going to. But it can be extremely dangerous because while all this stuff is going on physiological, your blood pressure is, is higher and it puts a lot of stress on the heart. So if you're having panic attacks, it's a real good idea to get them treated before they get worse. And they can get worse. People, when they feel anxious, often develop compulsions. Obsessive-compulsive disorder is an anxiety-related disorder. Um, people become very, you know, fearful or obsessed over germs or being perfect. And so then they develop compulsions to ensure that there are no germs or there are yeah, no imperfections. And... There's a obsessive compulsive personality, which is people who are tend to be perfectionist and that type of thing. But then there's an obsessive compulsive disorder, which can lead to if your fear is is germs, you can wash your hands excessively. A lot of people have trouble with that when they were telling us to wash our hands all the time because of COVID. So people started washing their hands excessively, like every couple minutes or for long, long periods of time, very frequently. And then they started having skin problems because of the soap and the hand cleansers. So while it's a good idea to wash your hands, you want to try to come up with a healthy balance on that. Um, the same, they were overusing cleaning products 
because especially initially when we were told that, you know, COVID could be on your groceries and on your grocery bags and on your clothes and people were literally spraying themselves down with Lysol or Clorox wipes, you know, just excessively. And it was causing a lot of problems to the skin and respiration <clears throat> because of the overuse of these chemicals. Um, avoidance, especially, you know, in social anxiety, you just avoid going places or, or doing things that involve social expectations. Um, you may have excessive planning. You know, some people... Well, certainly a good idea to have some sort of a plan. Some people go to access with it, and they might have four or five plans lined up for one thing, <laughs> you know, and and then they start thinking about, okay, what happens if my five plans don't work? Well, now I got to come up with a plan for each of those five things. So that can become a real issue. Um, excessive control. Sometimes people try to deal with their fear that things aren't going to go right or that something is going to go wrong or that, you know, the they won't be perfect. So they excessively control. Not only do they excessively control themselves, but they excessively control other people, which isn't going to work very long. Distrust of others. Um, many times people will end up in assistive living or nursing facilities just simply because they distrust people so much that they refuse to allow anybody to come into their house to assist them with what they need. So they could still be in their apartment or whatever, if they would allow themselves to have help. But because they refuse that, you know, they they kind of place themselves in a situation where now everybody is controlling them because they're in a nursing facility. That usually doesn't work out. Um, phobias. Phobias, anxiety can certainly lead to phobias. Or... Phobias, fears of things, can lead to anxiety. If you have a fear of needles, then you're going to feel really anxious every time it's time to do blood work or you know, get, get vaccinations. And I know this because I have a fear of needles. Um, but anything that we really fear, then we're going to try to avoid it. And, and not deal with it or put it off. So that's basically anxiety. Um, if the issue is, if, if, if it's causing a problem for you, then it's time to get treatment. Or if you notice that you're your anxiety symptoms are increasing. Um, you're, you're starting to have panic attacks now. You're starting to, you know, this anxiety is starting to interfere with your life. 
then it's time to get treatment because it will not go away on its own and it will not get better. And the reason for that is because when you start worrying and, and you develop anxiety, this cortisol that we talked about before just becomes a big problem. And some of the behaviors that we attempt to use become big problems as well. And so the whole thing just, just you know, becomes more and more of a problem. So it's really important to try to address anxiety. If you if you just occasionally feel anxious or feel mildly anxious, you can probably deal with it on your own. But if it's gotten to a point where it's it's really interfering with your life or what you're trying to achieve or relationships or, you know, things like that, then it's it's definitely trying to get treatment. Um some coping techniques. Sometimes if you write what you're thinking down, you can look at it and problem solve or get, just get it off of your, your chest, you know, get it out of your head. Sometimes that will help. And it's a good idea to try to do that every night before you go to sleep. Um, just kind of write everything that's flying around in your head down. And then you can, you know, figure out maybe a plan or make a to-do list or just kind of let it go. Yeah, you can you can put it in better perspective. And sometimes people use a recorder and just talk about whatever. And then they can come up with, you know, a better perspective. It's a good idea to prepare for the best and worst scenarios. If you're really worried about something, ask yourself, what is the best thing that could happen? And what is the worst thing that could happen? And so very often you can kind of plan for, okay, if if I go out to learn a new area and I get lost, what am I going to do? Instead of having a meltdown because you're lost or, you know, having a panic attack, what can you do if you get lost? Well, I can call a friend. I can call Ira. I can... Yeah, go backtrack my steps and, and, you know, or go to the nearest place. You know, come up with a plan. What are you going to do in that worst scenario? The cool thing about that is most of the things we worry about most never happen. But if it does, you have some idea of what you can do. And that helps you take a GPS with you or, you know, be prepared. Take a first aid, little first aid kit with you, if that's your thing. Or take some hand sanitizer or whatever it is you need to do to deal with the worst situation. It's important to develop supports. And support systems are often our friends, family, you know, but also Get some resources that you can refer to um, or know some like mental health or crisis or community numbers that you can call for help. 
if you need it or just somebody to talk to. Um, so supports don't necessarily mean that you are always going to call your friends or call your family. Your supports could be lots of other things as well. But it's important to develop that support network. Relaxation. Do things that you feel are relaxing. Um, challenge your thoughts. You know, when we have these types of thoughts and we realize that we're feeling anxious, just challenge them. Why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? Yeah. What is the likelihood that that's going to happen? Has that ever happened before? If it did, you know, how did I deal with it? You know, so you can you can constantly question and challenge your thoughts. Prayer is a great way to, you know, if you're a, a spiritual or religious person, prayer is a great way to kind of calm yourself down. Um, meditation is a, a good way um, to calm yourself down. Focus on your breathing. A lot of people have difficulty with that. They say they can't do it. Because we do it all the time. <laughs> you know, when when we breathe, we may not be aware of it, but we are focused on our breathing. So those are some things that you can do. Um, increase your problem-solving skills. Learn to solve problems on your own. Do things that build your confidence make you a more confident person. You know, start little and and just do things that, that build your confidence in whatever it's going to be, whether it's, you know, mobility or cooking or public speaking or whatever um, that make you feel more confident about yourself. Exposure. Exposure is a, is a great one. You don't want to overwhelm yourself. If you have difficulty with social anxiety, you know, walking into a crowd of 2,000 people and being expected to mingle with them would be unrealistic. But start small. Go out with two or three people, see how that goes, and then add somebody you don't know. Yeah, now you're up to five or six. And you might discover that, okay, when I'm with just a few people, I'm fine, but if it gets bigger, I'm not. And that may be okay, um, but but try to expose yourself to more things. Um, refrain from using drugs and alcohol. A lot of people don't realize it, <clears throat> but... Even marijuana and alcohol and certainly the heavier drugs contribute remarkably and substantially to depression and anxiety, especially if you already have it. And marijuana could contribute to you becoming psychotic. I know a lot of people, clients who they tried to control their mental illness with marijuana and 
then they ended up with synthetic marijuana or things that were not quite what they thought it was. It was extremely potent, and they became psychotic. Sometimes that goes away, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, alcohol is definitely known as a depressant. It's just like opening up a bottle of depression and drinking it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a glass of wine or a mixed drink. But <clears throat> when you get into excessive drinking, you could be causing your own depression or anxiety. Refrain from using excessive uh, prescribed drugs. Some people are prescribed Xanax or Ativan or you know, Valium for anxiety, clonopin, and, and you're supposed to take one a day or you're supposed to take it you know, no more than three times a day. But then you start taking it more and you start taking it every time you feel stressed or whatever. Um, so you want to be sure that you're taking prescription medication only as it's recommended. And if you feel like it's not working, then it's important to let the doctor know Hey, you know, I this really isn't working. Um, treatment can involve medications. It can also involve um, various forms of, of psychotherapy. Uh, cognitive behavior therapy is the best recommended. But if you're not really into long-term therapy and, you know, that type of thing, you might also consider solution-focused because it is short-term, usually no more than five or six sessions, and it can be very effective as well. Um, things like desensitization and exposure therapy sometimes can be very helpful. So there are different therapies. Also, life coaching can be extremely helpful for people who are having issues with anxiety um, because it can help you set goals and, and stay with them. Uh, so, you know, life coaching can be very helpful for people who are having difficulty. The important thing is realizing that, you know, when anything becomes a problem when it's when it's really causing you not to be the person you want to be or be your best then it's time to seek help there are also many 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 books out there way too many to uh, rattle off here on anxiety and coping with stress and you know stress management and relation skills and just just about any subject that you would want. So, you know, just go to your library or BART or whatever it is you use and do a search using those keywords. And I guarantee you, you will come up with lots and lots and lots of books. And, you know, people say, well, which ones are good? Well, it depends on the person, pretty much. I mean, some books are extremely helpful. Some books are not. Uh, just just check them out and start reading them. They're not going to hurt you. 
So, but if you feel this isn't right for me or, ooh, I'm not real comfortable reading this thing, put it down and start another one. So, yeah, you know, do your, do your search and there's lots of books out there that can be very helpful. Gives you some ideas. So, um, that, the, that about anxiety. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Mm 